The Bible is really uh, a, a storybook of people, places, and events that God has taken time to record so that we might learn and grow and be encouraged in. And I want to share one of those stories with you today. And I pray that you'll listen to it and you'll be open to hear what God would say to us because I think the words are very uh, appropriate for us today. It's a story of a woman named Ruth and God, out of the 66 books in the Bible, he uh, dedicated one of those 66 books to the story of Ruth. It must be very important to him. And therefore, I think it will be important to us too. And I ask you to, to listen. You know, Ruth has four chapters and four major themes, and it's, you can see them there in the title of the message. These themes are interwoven in the story of Ruth and Naomi, her mother-in-law. Brokenness, kindness, redemption, and blessing. And uh, I want to just start right in. The story begins with much brokenness. Uh, life was very difficult. And I want to just uh, begin to read the story to you. Or I'm going to read some of it out directly. Some of it I'll just give you a synopsis for. But we're going to quickly move through this story and look to what God would have for us today. It doesn't begin with once upon a time. It actually describes the times very clearly for us. So Ruth chapter 1. This is the eighth book of the Old Testament. If you have your Bible, just uh, go past the first five books. And then you have Joshua, Judges, and then the book of Ruth. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab, and remained there. The setting is in the days of the judges. Uh, you might recall that Moses led the people out of slavery in Egypt, and then Joshua took them from the wilderness and into the promised land. But then after Joshua died, there was no national leader like Moses or Joshua. And the people wandered from God. It was a time of spiritual uh, apostasy. Uh, Judges describes the days this way. There was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So it's a, it's, it's a dark time in the history. So God, in, against this setting, God says, he introduces us to a family. Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and their two sons, Malin and Kilian. It says that they lived in Bethlehem. Do you know that Bethlehem means house of bread? It's interesting then that there's a famine. <laughs> there's already seeds of brokenness from the opening two verses. Something's wrong when there's a famine in a place called the house of bread. You know, God in the Old Testament said, listen, if you follow me, if you obey me, then I will look over this land I'm sending you to. And I'll send rain in the springtime. I'll send the summer rains. Your crops will come. You'll have enough to eat. And I'll just bless you this way. But listen, don't be careful, God said. Don't turn away from me. Because if you turn away from me, I'm going to remove that blessing from you. And I won't send those rains. And there's going to be famine. And I take it that this is a sign of the times that there's a famine in the land. Now, it also introduces us to the fact that 
that sinfulness, sin always brings brokenness. That's just a fact. Whenever there's sin, whenever there's a strain from God, it always leads to brokenness. And so they make a decision, and it's outlined in the next verses. Elimelech makes a decision that he's going to leave Bethlehem. Okay? And, and that's kind of strange in itself also. Why do you leave the house of bread? Why do you leave God? But isn't that another tendency? Like when we're hurting or when we're broken or when we're not close to God, we don't make good decisions. There's nothing in here that says that Elimelech sought God about this problem. We don't have enough to eat, God. What should we do? He just leaves the house of bread. Moab was the historical enemy of Israel. They wouldn't let Israel pass through their land on the way to the promised land. In fact, earlier in the book of Judges, Moab attacked a city in Israel and, and, and subdued it for 18 years before God raised up a judge and uh, delivered them from it. So it gives you a little glimpse into where Elimelech is too. He's not walking closely with the Lord. Isn't it a tendency of us all? If we're not close to the Lord, we wander. We just wander. And that's where Elimelech is. Verse 3, it says, But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. So they go to Moab. They're there for a while. Then the scriptures say, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malan and Kilian died. So that the women... The woman, excuse me, Naomi, was left without her two sons and her husband. So the brokenness now, the seeds of it, it just comes to full fruition. I mean, Elimelech dies, Naomi becomes a widow. Her two sons, uh, Malin, marries Ruth, and Killian marries um, Orpah. They live there for about 10 years, then both of them, uh, the sons die. I mean, there's three widows now. And Naomi has the additional pain of losing two sons. My parents lost a son, had to bury a son. Maybe some of you out here have experienced that kind of level of pain in your family, but it's painful. There's a sense of this isn't right. This, the kids should be burying the parents, not the other way around. And here Naomi has buried her husband and both of her sons. There's a lot of brokenness there. Plus there's the plight of women in this culture who would not have really an adequate way to support themselves in this culture without uh, the protection and umbrella of a husband. So the decision is made to return to Bethlehem. Verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. I love that verse. Now, in this immediate context, what that means is she heard that God sent rain and, and the crop had come and there's food there. But isn't it interesting how the Holy Spirit inspires the scriptures and how the writer, how he phrases it? Why didn't he just say, and Naomi heard that a harvest had come, rain, God had sent rain. But he said, she heard that God had visited his people. And they're heading back to Bethlehem. And it gives you a little glimpse that someday, a day is, would be coming when God himself would visit his people. 
and his own son would be born in Bethlehem. And he would provide spiritual food and bread. He said, I am the bread of life. Isn't that cool? I love seeing glimpses in the Old Testament of pictures of Jesus coming. I love it. Well, anyhow, they go to, to, to leave, uh, Naomi and her two daughters-in-law. But um, it's interesting that as they start out, Naomi then turns to the, her daughter-in-law and say, no, no, don't come with me. Go back to your people. And she's probably thinking practically, you know, you're going to have a better chance of finding a husband with your own people than if you come back to Israel with me. You know, that you're foreigners, you're not probably, I don't know if men are going to have you, and uh, just go back. And what's sad too is she says, not only go back to your people, she says, go back to your gods. It's kind of, you know, as if her God, Yahweh, is, has no place of, <laughs> you mean Yahweh is just like their gods? Ah, yeah, just go back to them. You can just see the, the brokenness in Naomi. Well, after some tears and so forth, uh, Orpah does leave and go back. And you know, we never hear anything else about Orpah again in the Bible. But Ruth clings to Naomi. And in one of the, the most beautiful expressions of covenant love in the Bible, says these words to Naomi. Verse 16, chapter 1. Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go... I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Friends, that is covenant love. That is, I, I'm, I am... 100% committed. I am not. In fact, Naomi, just know this. After you die, I'm not coming back here to Moab. <laughs> your people are going to be my people, and I'm going to hold on to your God, Yahweh. It's such a beautiful expression of faith. I mean, it reminded me of Abraham's faith in the Bible. Abraham was given all these promises by God, and he said the same thing to Abraham. He said, leave your country, and I'll go to a place I'll show you, and I will make you a blessing, and so forth. Naomi, excuse me, Ruth didn't have all these promises that, that Abraham had. Still, she clung to her mother-in-law, to her mother-in-law's people, to her mother-in-law's God, and she's putting everything on it. I'm with Yahweh now, and nothing's going to separate me. You know, faith always means leaving where you are, believing that God has something better for you somewhere else. You may, it may not be a physical location, but faith is always believing that God has something better for you in your life if you will hold on to him and go and follow him and turn to him. and leave. But you always have to leave something. You may have to leave bitterness, believing that God has something better for you. You may have to leave unbelief, believing that God has something better for you in your life. You may have to leave a sinful relationship, believing God has something better for you in your life. Faith always means leaving. And Ruth left. She left everything. Her family, their gods, and she clung to God. Now they come back to Bethlehem. And there's a stir. And people say, is that Naomi? Gosh, she's been gone like, what, she been gone 12 years or something? And they go, Naomi, is that you? And Naomi answers them in verse 20. 
She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. She says, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? I always wonder when she was saying, you know, I went away full and I've come back empty. I wonder if Ruth was standing right next to her. Hey, hello. <laughs> I can hear you. I'm right here. Uh, I guess I'm part of that emptiness you came back with. But isn't that the case when our problems, our losses are all we can focus on? We can't see anything good. We can't see how God may be working and she's come back with this woman who's clinging to her, says, listen, death will not even part us. You know, sometimes it tells me that our perspective in our trials is not always reliable. In fact, she thinks that God is against her. Maybe you've thought that sometimes. You know, this, you, things have gotten tough in your life and there's difficulty. You think God's against me. I, where is God? He's, he, you know, as we're going to see in this story, our perspectives are not always the truth. And God is not against Naomi. And he's actually working, and there's going to be seeds of hope. It leads us out of this brokenness that we see in this story into the next part of the story, which really is talking about the kindness of God in our brokenness. And that begins by introducing a new character. Are you with me? You still with me? Okay, good. I know. Hang in there. It's a good story. <laughs> so... Uh, a new character is introduced at the first verse of chapter 2. It says this, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's. Her deceased husband, Elimelech, had a relative, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, so he was also an Ephrathite, whose name was Boaz. So we have this new character. Keep that in your mind. Boaz comes on the scene. And we're going to start to see themes of kindness in this chapter 2. And God's kindness is often shown in, in how he works through others to show us kindness. And this can be seen in verse 2 of chapter 2. Ruth says, and the, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. The, God had made a provision in the law that if you were a landowner... And it came to a time when you were going to harvest your crops. God said, go ahead out there and harvest, but don't pull up everything. Don't harvest everything. I want you to leave some of it beside, you know, alone in a cor different corners of the field, different places. I want you to leave that so that the poor among you will be taken care of. They're going to be able to come out and glean from your field. I know that's your produce, but listen, remember I blessed you. And I want you to leave some of it for, for the other people who don't have. And so Ruth, plus she's, she's from Moab, but she somehow knows about this provision that God, in, and she says to Naomi, let me go out and glean. God's made a provision. I'm going to follow that. I'm going to believe that. And I believe he's going to show me where to go. She goes, just in whose sight I might find fair. She doesn't even know where she's going to go. What field? How, you know, where do I go? And Look at, I see the kindness of God to Naomi through the person of Ruth. What a blessing this woman is to Naomi, her mother-in-law. 
She's going to realize it. (laughs) She's going to realize she didn't come back empty. But the kindness of God is seen through Ruth in that she went out to glean. I'm going out to get us food. Then I see the kindness of God in another way in verse 3. So she, Ruth, set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was one of the clan of Elimelech. Whenever you see in the Bible, she happened. Would you know that part of the ways God shows kindness to us in our lives is that he providentially moves and directs our circumstances so that he might help us and lead us to where we need to be. She didn't just happen to go to the field of Boaz. God led her there. Do you know there's a God who's powerful? He can direct our steps. We don't even know we're being directed. He does, you don't even know sometimes your, your thoughts are being governed by the Lord. He's helping you. That's why we need to be sensitive to him. We need to pray. But you see that she, God met Ruth as she was being obedient, Right? She was, she was being obedient. She says, God made a provision. I'm going to go out. I don't know who's... I'm going to find favor somehow. And did God not meet her? He sure did. Providentially, we see the kindness of God through his providence. And then we see God's kindness through Boaz. Boaz, at that point, she's out working in Boaz's field, and Boaz comes from Bethlehem. And you get a little glimpse into his character. In these dark times, he comes in and he yells out to the workers, Hey, the Lord be with you. And the workers all go, Hey, the Lord bless you, Boaz. How many of you know that even in the darkest of times, God has a remnant of people who are with him, who love him, who want to serve him. And Boaz's character is such, you know, he's, he wants blessing for his workers and his workers want blessing him and the Lord's part of all of his life. And he notices this woman working in his field and he asks the foreman, he says, hey, who's that woman over there? And the foreman says, well, that's the Moabite woman, Ruth, who came back with Naomi from, from Moab and she's been working in the field. She asked for permission. She's been working all day. She stopped once for a little break and Boaz meets her goes out to meet her. And he says, Ruth, stay in my field. And he shows kindness to her. He says, Ruth, stay in my field. Don't go anywhere else. I'll protect you. I'll make sure nobody touches you or harms you as a, as a single woman out here in the field. And he says, and please glean in my field. Follow right up after my workers. And when you're thirsty, come, come get a drink where all my workers drink. And she showed kindness. He showed kindness to her. And so Ruth just falls down to her feet. You know, she, she says, who am I? Why, why are you showing me this kindness? And Boaz answers her. This is verse 11 in chapter 2. So Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Oh, the Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. (laughs) Oh, may God bless you, Ruth. I've heard what you've done. How you left your family, your gods. You've come to take shelter under under the wings of Yahweh. May he bless you. 
he invites her to dinner. Not a date dinner. Um, dinner with the workers. Okay? So all the workers there. But he invites someone who's gleaning to, to eat and dine. And she eats all she can. She has leftovers. He gives her a doggy bag to take home. But, but she doesn't even go right home. She doesn't even go right home. She goes back out in the fields to work some more before she goes home. And Boaz calls in and talks to the worker. He says, hey, pull out some extra stocks. Pull out more for her to pick up. I want, I want you to bless her. You help that woman. And so she collects all this stuff, gets the grain. She heads back home to Naomi. It walks in the house. She's got like this absorbent amount of grain that she never would have possibly been able to do. And she has a doggy bag with food in it. And Naomi says to Ruth, where in the world did you glean today? You know, and, and uh, Ruth says, I was in the field of Boaz. And so then Naomi says this to her. In verse 20, and Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he, Boaz, be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. He's not only been kind to us, he's been kind to our deceased husbands and taking care of us. Naomi also said, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Okay, here's the next theme, redemption. And not living in the culture that that uh, they lived in, you need to understand a few things about their culture and the term redemption. God had written in his word in Leviticus 25 a provision that a near relative could redeem family property that had been sold due to financial hardship or loss. As a close relative, Boaz could purchase back land that Elimelech probably sold the rights to when they left to go to Moab so that they would have money. They've come back. Ruth has no way to redeem that land. See, God in that culture said, you don't own the land. I own the land. No one owned land in perpetuity. And families were assigned lots and inheritance. And if you had to sell some of your inheritance and lot because you had fallen on hard times, perhaps you broke your leg, you couldn't work your fields, uh, you owed a debt you couldn't pay, you sold part of your land, you could have a near relative redeem that land. You could do it yourself if your financial thing changed, but a lot of times people could not redeem the land themselves. Certainly Ruth couldn't. Naomi couldn't. But Naomi says, wait a minute, this guy Boaz, he's got this. I don't mean to taint that like with, she looks at it and says, wait a minute, he's a relative. He could redeem our land for us. He could provide for us. But there was another, uh, something else involved too. The law also had a provision called leveret marriage. Leveret from the Latin word levere, which meant husband's brother. Now let me just explain this. If a man who's married passed away without children, without an heir, the brother of the deceased man, uh, there was a provision in the law that he could, it wasn't required, but he could marry the widow, his brother's widow, and children from that union would become the heirs of the deceased man. Does that make, you see what I'm saying? So that his name would not be lost. His inheritance would not be lost. It would, that's part of that culture. So you have to think of those two things now for this story to make sense the rest of the way. Redemption of property and lover at marriage. All right? So Naomi now has a plan. She came back. She was pretty depressed. But now all of a sudden she's got a plan. And here's the plan. She says to Ruth, hey, Boaz is going to be winnowing in the fields. 
Okay, they've got all these stalks. Winnowing was separating the grain from the stalk. He's going to be separating all that grain, and he's not going to leave it just laying over there by the winnowing floor uh, all night and let somebody come and steal it. He's going to stay right there. He's going to sleep there. Here's what I want you to do. Now, uh, Ruth, get cleaned up. For, for goodness sakes, take a bath. <laughs> well, that's what it says. It says, wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and, you know. Get cleaned up, for goodness sakes. You've been out in the field all day. <laughs> it says, get cleaned up and go and watch where he lays down. And wherever he lays down to go to sleep for the night, I want you to go up there when he goes to sleep, uncover his feet and lay down at his feet, and he'll tell you what to do. Whew. Hey, that's the story. Those are the days, you know. <laughs> we do things a little different now, but that's... Uh, and that's exactly what she did. She went, she uncovered Boaz's feet, she lays down. How many of you know on a cold night sometimes you ever waken up when you're uncovered, you got uncovered somehow? You will wake you up, won't it? And that's exactly what happens. Chapter 3, verse 8. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. She's basically saying, Boaz, marry me. You can serve as my redeemer, my security. You can purchase back what we've lost. In verse 11, Boaz answers her and says, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. He's, he says, I'm going to redeem you. But the plot thickens. How many of you watch Hallmark movies? <laughs> How many of you are not going to admit you watch Hallmark movies, but you really do? Okay. What, what happens 20 minutes before the end of every Hallmark movie? Uh, there's some problem. Everything's going along. There's some misunderstanding, some kink in the plan. The woman sees the man hugging his sister. She doesn't know it's his sister, and she goes off. And then, but then in the last five minutes, what happens? They get together, and everything's well. So um, there is a kink that comes up in this plot. Boaz says, I will redeem, but look at what he says in verse 12. It says, now... It is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Oh. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. There's someone else who has closer rights. He's a closer relative to Elimelech than Boaz is, and he would have first rights to redeem if he so chose. Well, Ruth goes back and tells Naomi what's happened. And Naomi says, okay, just wait here. This man's going to work on this right away. He's not going to let it go. And sure enough, uh, chapter 4 begins. And it says, now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. That's where business transactions were done, at the, at the city gate. And behold, the redeemer, the closer relative of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. You see any more providence there? He goes to the gate and this closer relatives just happens to come by. And Boaz says, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And so the, he turned aside and sat down and he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. They were going to be witnesses of this transaction. 
Then he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Uh, it's not really good, but Boaz pulls this out. Then Boaz says, the day you buy, my friend, good, that's, you want to buy the land, but the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. In other words, you can buy that land, but you've got to marry Ruth. And the children of your union with her, that land's going to belong to them, not you. So then in verse 6, the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. In other words, I don't want to take that kind of risk. I don't want to invest money in something I'm not going to get a return off of. I can't do that. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. And Boaz says, yes. Yes. Verse 9, Boaz says to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilian and Malin. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malin, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses today. It says they took off sandals. I guess they didn't use notary publics back then. Uh, um, they just took off sandals and passed it to each other. And that was the sign that this deal was sealed. And the redemption is complete. And Boaz serves as the redeemer. And that's where the story then ends with great blessing. It started in brokenness, but now it ends with this great blessing. Verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her. And the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life. This is what redemption always brings. A restoration of life. And a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, I think there's a little bit of twist here whom you said you came back empty with. Your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap. Can you believe that? The joy in Naomi. She became his nurse, and the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of King David. Obed is the grandfather, this child, of King David. Ruth is the great-grandmother. Naomi, the great-great-grandmother. And God brings Naomi from tremendous brokenness, not only in her life circumstances, but in her spirit. And brings her to a place of blessedness. And you know that there's this, I'm not going to take time to read it, but there's a little genealogy at the end of this that includes the name of Ruth.
that God in his spirit recorded in the genealogy of Matthew. Not only is she the great grandma of King David, she's in the line of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Because she came by faith and sought him and to come under his wings of protection. Friends, the story of the book of Ruth and what he did in bringing Naomi and Ruth from brokenness to blessing is a picture of what God wants to do for broken and sinful humanity. His kindness is seen in his entering into our brokenness, sending his own son, Jesus, to come among us and redeem us from our sin. In fact, Boaz is a type of Christ. God not only tells us about things through prophets in the scriptures, he also puts types in the Bible so that we can look at it and say, oh, that's, that's amazing. Boaz is a type of Christ who is our kinsman redeemer and who offers to pay the ransom, the redemption price. Do you know three things had to happen for, us to, to, for, a kins, for a person to be a kinsman redeemer? He had to be, first of all, a kinsman, a close relative. Jesus in the incarnation, friends, became kinsman with us. He became one of us. He took on flesh. He took on humanity so that he might be a faithful and merciful high priest. Secondly, a kinsman redeemer has to be able to pay the price for the redemption. Jesus Christ can pay the redemption price for our sins. He's sinless. He's holy and he offered his life as a payment for those sins. And the kinsman redeemer had to be willing. You saw in this story there was a kinsman redeemer who was unwilling to pay that price. But Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. He willingly gave his life for you. Do you know him as, his, as your kinsman redeemer? Have you placed faith in him like Ruth did? The inheritance that is restored to Naomi and Ruth is also a picture of the believer's inheritance in Christ that was lost due to our sin. He now wants to restore all that to us. Peter would write of it. He says, in Christ you have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Isn't that beautiful? You have an inheritance. God has redeemed it. Yet we lost it at the fall. But God's kept it for us. It's kept in heaven for us. For everyone who, who loves him. Brokenness, kindness, redemption, blessing. Friends, God has not left us without a kinsman redeemer. As we close the service today, we're going to sing a few worship songs. And as we do so, we're going to invite you just to come up to one of these four stations, which represent Jesus Christ as our kinsman redeemer. We're going to sing. You don't have to come in any particular order. You can spend some time thanking God in your seat before you come. But when you're ready, come You'll take the elements right here. But give God thanks in your heart that he's your kinsman redeemer. And if you don't know him, place your faith in him today. He loves you. Be Ruth. You know, we never read of that other closer relative to Boaz. You never, you, you never hear his name again. You never hear of Orpah's name again. I don't know what happened to him. I'm just saying that, but we're still talking about Boaz and Ruth today. Thousands of years later, celebrate, worship, and give God thanks that he's your kinsman redeemer. So worship team, if you'll come, we'll begin. Is there a worship team? There they are. Good. That's good. They're coming. We're going to begin to sing and worship together. And when you're ready, out of gratitude in your heart, come 
and partake of these elements and celebrate that God is your kinsman redeemer. Let me pray. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall always be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Lord, we want to thank you that out of our brokenness, you bring us kindness and show us your kindness. That you move through others to show us that kindness. You move in your providential dealings with us, many of which we don't really know what you're doing at the time. Sometimes we sense even today, we don't know everything about what you're doing. But we hold on to you as a God who moves providentially in our lives. I pray for us today that we would truly give thanks in these closing moments that you're our kinsman, redeemer, Jesus, who entered into our humanity, lived a sinless life, And then you were able and willing to pay a redemption price in your own blood and broken body so that we might have our inheritance restored and that we might be redeemed as your people. Oh God, help us in these moments to truly give you thanks from our hearts. In your name I pray. Amen.